You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. And today we have our top 11 last minute tips for race weekend success. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. And I'm Rochelle. And we're talking today about the Top 11 tips we have for, we call it marathon weekend, but it's like race weekend. Yeah. It and can it, be a half, a five, a 10 yeah. a mile. Um, so yeah, I think we have good tips. <laughs> yeah. And it's really like Austin, I feel like is the beginning of spring racing. Yeah. Which is in one week. Yep. And then a couple weeks after there's a bunch of races at the end of April. And then we're going into Ottawa race weekend. There's... Yeah, it's almost racing time. Yeah, finally. Best time of the year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's start uh, talking about our running weeks. How was your, that, it was your last big week? Yeah. How how it go? It was my last big week and I think it was my best one. Really? Every run went well. Track on Thursday was great. Um, long run, 34 kilometers on. Sunday, my goal was to not run for more than three hours to try to avoid the increased risk of injury that comes with that. But I had 34 kilometers on my schedule. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm going to run until I either hit three hours or 35 kilometers. And I was doing around like a 525-ish pace, but I was making sure my heart rate was good. So it was in the 130s most of the run. Yeah, I saw your heart rate was really good. It, it felt great. And they had, you know, four gels. I had two of the Morton that we had purchased together yeah. and then two exact. So I think that plus maybe one more race day will be my like game plan because there's another and you 8K have, to you, go. You had Gatorade also. And I had Gatorade as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think two that's bottles a, of Gatorade. We talked about fueling and we're going to talk about fueling, but I think mm -hmm. it's a perfect combination because it has like four different types of carbs. Yeah. Maybe that's why I felt so good. Yeah. Morton has one type of carb. Uh, Gatorade has another one. Exat has another one. So it's not only that different types of carbs use different pathways to your blood system. Yeah. So like, I don't know if maybe some types of carbs go into your system at 10 minutes and the next in 20 minutes and the next in 25 minutes. So you have a constant supply of carb. carb. And I, before we started doing this podcast, I didn't, I didn't know that. I learned that from you. So in previous races, I've just found a goo or a gel or shot blocks that I like and just took that the whole time. Yeah. And then maybe Gatorade. So now it'll be interesting to see how it goes to mix it up. But yeah, everything went well. I feel like the only, uh, not even a hiccup, but Wednesday, I was in a little bit of, um, you know, I had a decision to make because I had to run at nine o'clock and freezing rain and ice pellets were starting nine o'clock on yeah. Wednesday morning. So, of course, I dropped my daughter off at school, and as we're driving there, the weather starts. And I just couldn't wrap my head around doing 18 kilometers on the treadmill in April, like when it's supposed <laughs> to be beautiful and I can't sunny do it in and January spring. Or... <laughs> oh, totally. If it was January or February, I would have just sucked it up and went on the treadmill. And there was a part of me that was like, no, I am not doing this on the treadmill today. I did not move from Labrador to Ottawa to be running on the treadmill in April. So I went out and ran 18 kilometers in basically freezing rain, ice pellets. That good mental training also. It was like, and it was fine. I mean, I, I dressed myself up. I, I stayed close to home just in case. It wasn't slippery at all. I had good shoes on. It was fine. So I, I felt more, I felt tough after that. Hard I was like, if I could do that, I can do anything. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Because you've got, you've got Boston in yeah, one week. I tapered my first week of taper. Mm -hmm. Super boring. Yeah, to be people either love or hate the taper, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that really that good. I tested my new new shoes, the Alpha Flies 2 that I bought, and they're giving me a blister in my heel. So I don't think I'm going to use them for Boston next Monday. Do you think, are they too big? Are they too small? Like, or is it just a weird fit? Yeah, I, I don't know. The, 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 the heel part 
has like a lot of cushioning. All, all vapor flies and alpha flies have them have those type of cushioning. But I don't know this one just flooded up, and uh, I I ran on them on Tuesday, super easy, and then I tried them also on Wednesday, and on Thursday morning I was like, why do I have this pain? I didn't notice it was because of the shoes. So on Friday I'm training with my six year old to do a five k. So, and right now we're only running like 1.5. Yeah. And uh, so I, I oh, I'm going to put on the, the alpha flies again. And after it was super sore again. And I look at my, and I have a, a little blister. So And will it heal up by Boston? Oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. like you're not worried about it. Being no, I ran, I ran yesterday. I just put some tape on yeah. top of it and it was, it was good. So yeah, I'm going to save them and let my feet get used to them a little more. For Chicago or yeah, better to find out now that they give you blisters. Yeah. Than and I, like I have my Alpha Fly 20. once. Yeah, it's, they're super used. I think they have at least three, four hundred kilometers. And will you wear those in Boston? Yeah, I'm gonna wear. Them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was really excited to use my new super shoes with ten kilometers in, but it's yeah, not gonna happen. It's not gonna work this time. Yeah, yeah and it's hard maybe, to go maybe maybe I'll try them again on. I'm, I'm gonna with take tape. them. I'm gonna take them with me. And maybe the shakeout run on Sunday, I'm going to use them. Uh, they feel good. I Could know. you wear like a blister band-aid and put K-tape over it and just run? I, yeah, that, that's what I'm planning to do anyway, on, yeah. on, on Sunday to test to test them. But I don't know. And so, yeah, it's stressful. Because yeah. if, you, if you get halfway through Boston and you're like, my heel is killing me. It's such a silly thing to do. Yeah, and I'm planning training. to see my family at pretty much at the end, like a mile 25, 24. So it's not like if everything goes to shit, I can change shoes mid-grace. Yeah. Uh, that will be awesome. But no. I don't know. I'm going to take both. Let's see yeah. how it goes. And then see how Yeah. make a game time decision. Yeah. And it just I'm just trying to trading one super shoe for another. It's not that big. I remember in Meb's book, 26 Marathons, he accidentally ends up with his nose strip in his shoe. Ah, yeah. You're talking about it. And gets a huge blister. I don't think he could run for weeks. It was infected after the race. He ran the whole race, finished. I can't remember how he did. He did well. And uh, anyway. Yeah, there's, a, there's a point you need to yeah. suck it up. And yeah, just power through. Yeah. It'll be healed by Chicago, your guts. For sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, ready to run next Monday. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm gonna, getting ready. They have the Boston app all open, so I'm going to start adding everybody in so I can track you all. And be yeah, I can't wait to. Well, this episode goes live on Thursday, and I'm driving Friday morning. Yeah. Hopefully good weather. It, it looks crazy because, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, it looks like it's going to be like 30 degrees Celsius in Boston, and we're not used to it. That, there's going to dip a little on Sunday, mm -hmm. and then on Monday, it looks like it's going to be a thunderstorm at 20 degrees. That's too hot. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, you can do anything about it. I, I was thinking about it, that it's like, should light slow down if it's too hot? At the end, I thought, no. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to slow down because of the weather. Maybe the weather is going to slow down me down. Yeah, but it I won't think plan it's, to it's, slow it's down. different, right? And I think it depends how hot it is. Like, I think if they were calling for like 32 degrees, it could be dangerous to not plan to slow down if you haven't trained in that. But if it's 20 and 22 and you're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to try to see if the heat doesn't affect me. And you you drink more than you normally drink, maybe it'll be okay. Right now it's nine lowest, fifteen the highest. It's Monday, but seventy percent of thunderstorm. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna start in the morning or afternoon. At least it's warm. It won't be like the year Deslinden one where it was freezing cold and, and rain poor, and windy yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the wind was super hard on, on that year. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather thunderstorm than Heat. crazy headwind. I, I, I've asked a lot about the headwind or the tailwind, and it looks like it's usually a tailwind. Oh, that's good. Usual. We never know. Okay. Cool. So hopefully a tailwind and no thunder and lightning. Yeah. Whatever it is, everyone's going to go slower or faster. So yeah. it, it affects everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing. I think the reason people get so involved and, and upset about it is that you only do one marathon. Usually yeah. in the spring and one in the fall, unless like you, you're doing Chicago and New York this fall, but that's like different. Usually it's one and one. So if the weather ruins your race, 
it's not like a 5K where you're like, oh, I'll just do another one in two weeks. You kind of need two weeks to recover and then you start building again. And it's like, well, in six months, I'll do another one. But it's there's always going to be other marathons. There's always other years to try to tackle it. I've been thinking a lot about about goals in the past few days. And I think we runners give too, too much priorities or too much emotional attachment to our goals. But it's, it's not going to be at the end of the world if I run whatever time I run in, in Boston. Obviously, I want to run fast and I mm-hmm. want to PR and I want to do to 50. That's part of it. But if none of that happens, it's like, didn't happen right but we are so into it that we dedicate so much time that sometimes i think we blow out of proportions mm-hmm. our our running goals yeah it's yeah. like the be all end all when really it's 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 a race it's a race that other thirty thousand people are going to run yeah and thousands of them are going to run faster than me and thousands are going to run slower yeah so i think that's the political correct answer it's that i don't care time in Boston. I'm just happy and grateful to be there. Right. But the real answer is I want to go fast. I want to PR and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to suffer as much as I can to run as fast as possible. And yeah. And then just embrace the results no matter what. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. If if you do, I, I tell this to my daughter all the time. If you, if you put all your effort into it, the results sometimes doesn't matter. It matters, right? Because that's why you are putting so much effort and energy to it. But there are things out of your control that you can't control. The thing is, do everything you can. And that's part of the goal of this episode, to give you tips to do everything you can control to have the best race possible. Yeah. Uh, let's do something that a little different chasing sprints this time. Uh, as you already know, we are trying to move chasing sprints to the beginning of the episode. And we saw this meme. Are we going to say who published it? Uh, she's, she's just shrugging her. You, I'll let you decide. Okay. No, we're not telling. <laughs> if you see it, you will know what we're talking If you saw it, you will know what, what we're talking about. Uh, it was a meme that we saw last week, and it was tapered don'ts. And I hate this post because they always tell you what not to do and never tell you what to do. And, and it's always very black and white. Very black like and it's white. so individual, which we'll get into, but I don't think everything's like you must do this and you must not do this, and everybody has to cookie cutter follow the same plan. And I get it what I get what they do this. I've been guilty of this. It's like clickbaiting, mm-hmm. right? I just want you to like my post, to share my post, to save my post so I can grow my social media and I can have advertisers or I can mm-hmm. sell you my courses or my running coaching or whatever. But, and we all being guilty of this, I, I'm super aware of, I think I'm not as active on social media right now because I, I don't want to fall into this. Uh, but, the, but it was tapered don'ts. And the first one that I hate, and we have two good examples about it, it's a don't race, even short ones. And it was like, yeah, what do I do with this stupid information? <laughs> and, and I think the most annoying thing for me is that it makes sense. All of the things we're going to uh, save right now, it makes sense. Don't race even short ones. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because it will compromise my my run. But is it? And I feel like it. there needs to be more info. Like, okay, don't race two days before your race. But tapers can be two to three weeks or longer. Yeah. I think it's perfectly fine to race three weeks out depending on what distance you're doing and what you're training for. Yeah, for example, uh, Mo Farah, is running the London Marathon on April 23. And he ran a 30 minutes 10K yesterday mm-hmm. as a race. Yeah. And he's a professional. He's gold medalist. And he, two weeks before, he's running a 10K. So don't race even short ones. Maybe I can change it. Don't race even short ones. But you can if it's part of your plan. Yeah. You did it for your Boston half marathon. Yeah. I did the cookie run 5K two weeks out. Ran a time I did not expect to run in a good way. And it gave me like way more confidence for the half. Yep. And I definitely was recovered because it's only 5K. You can recover pretty quickly. Yep. And yeah. for if, he, if he's running a marathon, running a 10K. Mm-hmm. So that the even short ones, that's the part I, I didn't like. Yeah. Then the next one was like, don't test your fitness. Why not? I, yeah. 
we are, we are doing speed sessions. You should be doing speed work during your taper. And we talked about it last week or the last episode. Uh, you should be doing speed. Why not use that speed sessions to teach your fitness? Yeah. Especially if you've done a similar workout plan for, say, a previous marathon. And then you're looking back at what you did a year ago at the same time of year. Say you did eight eight hundreds and now you're doing eight eight hundreds again. Test your fitness. See if you're going quicker yeah. in the same condition, same time of year. And if you are, it's going to give you that boost. And fitness tests, in my opinion, are usually not that physically taxing. Mm -hmm. For example, the six-minute test we've talked about dozens of times in this podcast, just six minutes. I you just... can recover quickly. And uh, obviously, use your speed session. And if you want to do a, a speed uh, fitness test during that speed session, it's going to be shorter than your previous weeks. For example, we've been doing five, six mile repeats. And last Thursday, it was 10, 800s. It's like way less taxing and two minutes recovery between each. So it was less weight taxing and it was a great way to test our mm -hmm. fitness, my fitness in my case. And it's the same workout I did one week before Mississauga last year. So it was a great way to compare how my fitness wise between the two races. And it yeah. was part of my training. So why not? Yeah. Then um, uh, don't let yourself become dehydrated. Well, that's obviously. But he didn't say how, right? Yeah. It, it, they, don't do that. Mm -hmm. How can I solve it? Um, don't panic and buy brand new gear for race day. And that's, that's again, why not? If you think something's going to give you an edge, mm -hmm. why not? I feel too, like most, like 10 years ago, if you were buying running shoes and you got a blister, it'd be like, oh, you just have to break them in. But usually now, like running shoe technology has come to the point, like you should put them on and they should feel good kind of right away. And if you're getting running clothes, it's usually very similar. There's not going to be all these areas that are meant to like chafe you and rub you the wrong way. Like they're good quality, usually expensive gear. Yeah. Um, so you just have to use your common sense. I think I have two examples about this and another thing to say. It's like, what's the upside, right? I'm not going to compromise my race just buying a new t-shirt because it looks cool. I'm not going to do that. But I may, in quotes, compromise my race to buy some new super shoes because the upside, it's really high. Mm -hmm. I can go 10 minutes faster in a marathon with brand new shoes and it's probable or possible that I get a blister, but it's very low. So mm -hmm. the upside, it's, re it's really high. And I have two examples. One, we have a, a friend, John. He's like the master of running shoes, new running shoes on races. He loves to do that. And he's like part of, and I, I, he, don't, he doesn't do it every time, but he's done it a, bu a bunch of times. And he's a 310 marathon runner. So he's really experienced. He has run Boston dozens of times. Uh, and he's like, why not? And as you just mentioned, they fit like a glove. And I'm in a Boston Marathon Facebook group right now. And someone asked, I just bought a new pair of Alpha Flies. How much raking do you recommend? And 90% of the comments is Alpha Flies don't know, don't, doesn't need to be breaking. They mm -hmm. just fit like a glove. Even you like them, you like the feel or you don't like the feel. Yeah. But it's not going to get you blisters. Mine in this case gave me blisters, but it's my fourth pair of Vaporflies or Alpha Flies. And I've never had a, pro a problem with blisters. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not that I'm going the, to, the, the meme said, don't panic. I'm not panicking. I just want to yeah. cool things. <laughs> right. And let's do just one more. I love, I, I hated this one. Don't convince yourself that small twinge is a major injury. It maybe is, right? If, if you have that worry, why not? Do something about it. Yeah, get it checked out just to be safe, especially if you're just days away from your race. Exactly. Yeah. It, I think it's terrible advice. Like, don't convince yourself that a small twinge is a major injury. If it's if it, if that's already in your head, it's something you need to address. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not, but maybe it is. And sometimes and can, you can be reassured by the person. Like, I'll so I'll, I'll give you an example. There was an ultra runner who came in. She was doing a hundred miler. And she came in a week before her race, really nervous about foot pain, questioning a stress fracture because her mileage is really high. And when we had a look at it, so she was really anxious and worried and had done all this work and was thinking, if I have a stress fracture, I can't run. Yeah. So we did all the tests and I was like, this is definitely not a stress fracture. It's not acting like one. It's not hurting in the way one should. 
And she was so relieved when she left because I just gave her the reassurance that it wasn't anything serious. Exactly. So I think sometimes it's And if okay. it was something you can address, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, oh yeah, there's a little, you know, hotspot here. Or, ah, we can massage it. We can do some dry kneeling and it's going to mm -hmm. heal. And, and maybe because a twinge, and we're going to talk about it, uh, you're going to have some niggles during taper and you have, you're going to have some niggles during your race. But if you have a niggle right now that it can become a thing during your race, uh -huh. because during your race, or you are going way too faster if you are doing a 5K or way too longer than your regular training that it, if, you in, if you are running a marathon, right? So something that it's a little niggle at 10K can become a huge injury or niggle at 40K kilometers. So yeah. don't believe everything you see on social media. I think that's, that's the point. And there's always a counter argument for pretty much everything you see online. It's like, I saw the other one and I, don't do short steps, do long steps. It was it. That, that was the only thing the that videos, was that, was, yeah. that was the video. And it was like, give me some context. And maybe if you do long, you do, I can do the exact opposite. Don't do long steps, do short mm -hmm. steps. And I can sound super confident and do a video with graphics and that. And it's going to be the exact opposite advice he's giving and both of them, people can go like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to do short steps or I'm going to do long steps. So, yeah, I just couldn't get it out of my system and I needed to share. You needed to vent. Yes. Thank you. I feel like if there's one thing I've learned, I've been a physio for 14 years. Usually when so when there's a blanket statement and it's like, no one should do this. Everybody with this should do this. You question it because okay. everybody's individual. And like, for example, most of the time, Stretching an Achilles tendonitis is going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. Very, very rarely, rarely, every now and then, someone will tell me, but when I started stretching, it went away and it got better. So it's like the blanket statements, like, don't do this, don't do this, which is what this post is about. I think you just always have to question those because usually it's a lot of clickbait and it's usually very individual and you have to experiment and yeah. figure out. And the last one was, don't forget that tapering properly prepares for your raising. Duh, really? That's the whole purpose of tapering. Yeah. You just need to more bullet points so your image looks nicer and fuller. fuller. <laughs> okay. After this little Now bit. you're 10 pounds lighter. You're yeah. good, right? Thank you very much. <laughs> and they say like one pound each two seconds per mile. Yeah. So now <laughs> you're going to do like 230. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, okay. So we have 11 tips for you about how to race weekend, right? We have seven for uh, before the race, the day before the race, or the morning before the race. And for for during the race. Let's start with the first one before the race. What can you do? Okay, the, the, the whole purpose of this episode, it's like, I call this certainty legs. Mm -hmm. what, what do I mean like that? So imagine like your certainty about how good you're going to do on your race. It's a table. And the more legs you put in your table, the more stable it's going to be. So the goal here is to give you tools to add legs to your table so you are confident about your performance and how you're going to do in your race. Okay. And uh, the first word that I learned a few years ago, it's self-efficacy. I was reading yesterday, I was trying to, to find some research about positive self-talk in runners. I couldn't find anything definitive. It's like, can't work, it can't work. We're going to talk about it in our own, you know, our own experience. But they say that self-efficacy was a great predictor of success. Self-efficacy is how confident you are that you can achieve what you're planning to achieve. If you think, you can do it. So that's the first part. Do I think I can do it or do I don't? Yeah, if you show up to the start line and, oh, I don't belong here and my training didn't go well, what am I doing? And it's all negative self-talk. Your race probably isn't going to go very well. Yeah, no matter your training, yeah. if you, you're having Eliud Kipchoge coach, mm -hmm. if mentally you are not there and you don't believe the goal you're trying to achieve, yeah, it's not there. You can think your way into a horrible race even though your body was ready to rock. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Who said Henry Ford was like, they wonder how, even if you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Yeah. I love that quote. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's a good one. And the other part is that I think I, I would love to, to do an episode of marginal gains. Uh, I think we've mentioned it a few, a few times, but the concept of marginal gains was developed by a coach called Dave 
Brailsforth. Do you think I pronounced that mm -hmm. correct? Uh, he's a cycling coach, and the uh, Great Britain hired him in 2003 to give the cycling of Great Britain back to their glory. I think they, they've never won a gold medal since 1908. So it was like, dude, we need your help. They hired him in 2003. In 2004, they won two medals. In 2008, they won 60% of the gold medals in cycling in oh. Beijing. And in 2012, they won 14 gold medals in cycling in London. What's his concept? It's like everything matters. It doesn't matter how minuscule your improvement can be. It can make a difference. And I'm going to make, tell you two very interesting examples. One, they hired a surgeon to teach their athletes how to wash their hands so they don't get cold. Really? Really. That crazy. Wow. So they covered it, all their bases. If you don't get a cold, you can train more and you become a better runner. Yeah. Then they, the, the, the place they like tuned the bikes, they painted all white. Everything was white so they can spot any like dirt there because any dirt in these $20,000 or $30,000 bikes can compromise the efficiency of the, you know, the chain and the gears and everything. So they painted everything white so they can, they keep it like a, I don't know, like surgery room. Yeah. How, they, how they, yeah. are they called? Um, so that, and those little things just gave them the results I, I told you. Then they hired him and this Sky team in this pro cycling, and they won, I think, the Tour de France from 2012 to 2017, just because of his philosophy. That's an, obviously, he's successful with those records. Yes. Yeah. So our goal here is like, we, these 11 things are little things that you can do to improve your race performance. You already put the training, you already put the energy, the money, everything into your training. You are in race day or race weekend. What can you do to make the most out of it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the number one is? Trust your training. <laughs> yeah. And it, it goes back to self-efficacy, right? Mm -hmm. trust, trust what you do. Do it. And I think it's easy to forget all the training and the hours you've put in when you're in your taper. Because exactly. you haven't done a 30 kilometer long run and your speed is there, but it's less and it's, it, you just start to feel like you're losing fitness, but you trust your training and trust the science behind your training because elite runners all over the world taper. And so the taper is okay. You just have to trust that what you're doing is right and just go through the process. Remember all the big runs you've done. and Yeah. yeah and trust that past four months that you are been grinding and running. Yeah. yeah. Tr trusting your training goes back to self-efficacy and it's the number one thing you can do. Don't, yeah. there's no point on doubting yourself and doubting your training at that point. One of the things I've got in my head that when I start, I kind of, I know what I'm like in my taper. I feel like I'm losing fitness. I don't run more, but I start to get like antsy and nervous. So one thing I looked at today was I've done six runs of 30 kilometers or longer. Okay. Between 30 and 34 kilometers, I've done six times. And that's the most I've ever done for a big race like this. So anytime I start to question, I'm going to just say, oh, this is stupid. I've done exactly. six 30 plus long runs. And now I need to recover from those so that I can do a 40 plus. Yeah, exactly. So trust your training is number yeah. one. Uh, the second one is? Have multiple goals. Yeah. If you have one goal, so ABC goals, I feel like we've talked about this before, but ABC goals mean you've got you have your A goal. Like for me, for example, in St. Lawrence, my A goal is to qualify for Boston by enough that I feel confident that I'll get in even with the buffer. Okay. So it's 3.28 is my A goal if I'm having a really good day. Because your time is 3.35. Yeah. Okay. So and I want to try to beat it by seven minutes. And then my B goal will be just get under 3.35. So then I'm like, I've qualified and then I just see if I've done it by enough. Okay. And then my C goal is just finish the damn thing. Like get get the marathon done, um, ideally without getting injured. Okay. So that's, I feel like if you only have one goal, like if I'm out there, I need a 4.56 pace to get a 3.28. So if I'm struggling to get under five and the only goal I have is 3.28, 3.28, I could be like, oh, screw it and start walking. Yeah. 
And then maybe I could have qualified for Boston by a couple minutes and that would have been enough, but I'll never know because I gave up and didn't have a second goal to sit back on. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you need to qualify to Boston with one second. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. We have a friend that qualified, had a Boston qualifying time by, I know, one, two, three seconds. Yeah. And she didn't apply because she didn't thought she was going to get in and there was no buffer. And there was no buffer. Yeah. So she could have got in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, I obviously, I like that we you and I don't agree 100% all the time because that, that third goal that just finished the race, I don't like those goals. I, 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 I need to have measurable goals. Yeah, because that's not measurable, like in how long or yeah, pace-wise. Or, for example, I, I'm helping a couple of runners right now and it's, their, their goal was when they're starting work with me, just finish strong and upright. Mm-hmm. How the hell am I going to know if you it's finish strong? It's not objective. Strong, yeah, strong and upright, right? So, yeah, let's put a goal, like two hours, half marathon. I don't know. Maybe it's too big for you, but there's something to shoot for. But yeah, having at least two time goals for me, it's also important. For example, in Boston, I want to do, ideally, below 250 mm-hmm. and terribly below three hours. Okay. And then do you have a seagull? No. Is that like A, B, or you're just, you don't have the C goal. You just have the two time goals. Yeah. yeah. And um, I have a secret one, but I'm not going to share it. <laughs> You'll have to tell us after it's done Maybe. what it was. Maybe. <laughs> uh, and, um, but yeah, that's, that's the goal. If I don't achieve that, I'm probably not going to feel it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what happened. I don't care about the weather. I don't care about my shoes. I don't care about blisters. I don't care about anything. The goals that I've been training for that for the past four and a half months, I'm going to do everything I can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, having at least two goals. It's, I remember the fir- my, my first ever marathon, I had my two goals were belong, going uh, under three hours and qualifying for Boston. There was a point that it was not going to be possible to go under three hours. I was like at 39 kilometers and it was really close. So I think that for those three kilo- last kilometers, I said like a thousand times, Qualified to Boston, qualified to Boston, qualified to Boston, qualified to Boston. I end up with like two minutes into the into the time. But yeah, having that second goal helps you keep pushing, yeah. right? And otherwise you just kind of throw your hands in the air and go, well, that's yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the third um thing we can share is is I think this one especially important the day before. Rest, but stay active. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works for you. It, I know it works wonders for me. The races I've been completely resting, like all afternoon in my bed, watching TV, I perform really poorly. If I'm active, if I go with my kids to a museum, if we go to I go for a walk or whatever, uh, I feel way better. So I, and you have the fitness for it, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I know a lot of people say, stay off your feet as much as you can the day before but it doesn't work for me. How does that, that work for you? I think as long as I'm not, because I've seen some people go to Boston and walk like 10 kilometers around the city, and I feel like that's a little bit overkill. Um, I've always thought like a little bit of puttering on feed and sitting like a little bit of a mixture would be good. But then when I went to Boston, we drove out the day before okay. and traffic was a little bit crazy. So I was like sitting on my butt for eight hours. Okay. And then I had the best half marathon the next day ever. Now that night, we got out and we walked around looking for somewhere to eat and a lot of the restaurants were full. So we did, we probably walked maybe two kilometers, okay, three that, kilometers the night before. So and that, that was, I think that was rest. a great way to, I don't know if the, if the right word, but uncompressed all the sitting, the mm-hmm. driving from yeah. the, it's like seven, eight hours. So yeah, just yeah. stay active. I'm not saying go for a run and swim and just walk and you need the blood flow in your system to to stay active and be ready for for next day. So I think this one is a very personal thing to And I think it's important to recognize, like, you know, you've tried it. And because you're aware of what you're doing the day before, you know that complete rest doesn't work. Yeah. I feel like if you asked a lot of runners who have done maybe 20 races, 20 marathons, how do you do with the day before? They might say, I don't know, because they just don't pay attention to it. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't involve pace and distance covered, so they're not recording it. <laughs> so sometimes it's stuff like this that's just as important to record. Yeah. Try to remember, I think a better advice here is try to remember your best race, mm-hmm. what you did the day before. Yeah. In my case, it's always walking. Yeah. 
like going to a museum is walking a lot. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. But it's strolling. You're not yeah, pushing yeah. it. You're not getting your heart rate up. And if I get yeah. tired, I sit down. Um, let's go to the next one. I think this one is one of those marginal gains that self-efficacy. It's it's prepared for the worst. Yeah. And I think this is where a lot of runners get it wrong, because if you taper, if you trust your training, you think everything's going to go smoothly and nothing bad is going to happen. And, and usually, usually the first wrong. kilometer does. Yeah. Everything goes smoothly, right? Even in a 5K, the first K is like, strong, and I can, go, I, I, I can keep this pace forever. And two kilometers later, it's, what? Everything's hurting. And I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. So prepare for the worst and how you have. So if you are preparing for bad things to happen, you know how to respond to it. And I feel it might be helpful to list some of the, like, what are the common bad things that might happen so people can, like, visualize, okay, if that happens to me, this is what I'm going to do. So I think exactly. probably the most obvious one is just it, start, it starts to get hard. You start to have negative thoughts and self, you know, doubt what you're doing and it hurts and your legs feel like lead and everything just gets challenging. You have to plan for that. So that's something that when you do, you know, 32 kilometers at an easy pace, you might not go through that where you're like, oh, this is starting to hurt, this sucks, and you don't get to practice it. But when you're doing four, another 10 kilometers at a faster pace, at the 32K mark, you might be thinking, I can't do this. Can't. There's 10K left. This is too hard. Yep. So kind of expecting it, maybe not expecting to hit the wall because hopefully you're, fuel, you're fueling right and you don't hit the wall. But if you do, what are you going to do about it when it starts to get hard? And we're going to talk about what to do in race. So this is what this is what this is before, right? Mm -hmm. Prepare for the worst. Yeah. Be be aware that it's gonna happen and how you're gonna respond. Yeah. And the other part here is like prepare pre plan to embrace pain. Mm -hmm. Uh everyone that has a new personal record that I've talked to suffer in the race. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. a mile race or a marathon race, everyone suffers. Um and I think I'm I'm just thinking about another one. It's like everyone around you suffering. Yeah, we, we 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 tend to think that not like because you sometimes start to to looking at the people around you and feel look great. They are not even sweating, uh, and you think that they are not suffering, but everyone is is, is suffering. Some people just hide it better. Exactly. I when I went under twenty minutes for five k, I remember my husband because he's big into running as well and cycling and endurance stuff, and he said what he tells himself, and this really worked for me, is it's going to hurt if I, if I'm out doing a four minute pace for a 5k and I'm, I have a kilometer left. I'm like, oh, this hurts too much. It's going, it's going to hurt. But if I slow down by 10 seconds, it's, that's not going to be like, oh, that's better. Yeah, that still sucks. Yeah. That still hurts. And now I'm just running 10 seconds more. It's going to take me longer to finish. Yeah. So just kind of thinking of all these things that could happen during the race and planning for it and expecting it to hurt. Yeah. Unless you're someone who just runs races for fun and then maybe it won't hurt that much. But for me, I'm I'm usually hurting during my races because yeah, I'm too. going for it. There's a triathlete who won the Ironman Championship a few, 20 years. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's called Matt. He's an Australian guy. Uh, and his motto in life is embrace the suck. Mm -hmm. And he says like the the, the guy or the girl that learn to live and race with pain are the ones that win, are the ones that achieve PRs. So embrace it. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a few hours, maybe yeah. a few minutes, but uh, it's going to feel great forever. After. And I think if you run your race and it didn't hurt, you did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like you probably could have ran faster. If you get through the whole thing and you feel great and you're like, gosh, that was great. That no issues at all. Like didn't really hurt, didn't go into the pain cave. Yeah. If your goal is to run as fast as you could, you probably didn't. Yeah. Obviously, this one, prepare for the word. Embrace the pain is if you want to go as yes. fast as you can. If yeah. You, if you don't want to, forget about this. Just enjoy Fourth it. point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy <laughs> not feeling like you want to throw up all over the sidelines. <laughs> it must be nice. <laughs> uh, I don't think I will enjoy a race like that in, in personal. I yeah. can. I'm going, if I'm racing, I'm racing. If not, I'm training. Right. Okay. My yeah. daughter the other day asked me, why do you pay to run? 
I was like, I see you running every day out of our house. Why For do sure. we need to pay? Why do we need to drive to Boston? Why? And it was like, one, it's a closed course. So I, I don't have to look around in the lights and intersections. And so it's closed. Yeah. And the other one is like that feeling of racing and pushing yourself and having another pe person to compete with. You're not competing with them because maybe they're a different age group or whatever, but they're racing at, at, right beside you. So mm -hmm. it's just that feeling that I tell her, I hope you experience sometimes and you get in love. She'll understand one yeah. day. She'll remember asking me that. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the tip number five is carb loading. Uh, we did a full episode about fueling that involved uh, carb loading. But the goal right now or right here is to have as many glucose storage in your body. The science says that you can storage up to 2,000 calories of carbs in your liver and your muscles. And that's the goal, to be as full as possible. That's why you eat a lot of pasta and carbs. Just mm -hmm. not the night before. I think this is important. You need to start start carb loading a few days before. Um, and tapering helps because you are training less and ideally you're adjusting your diet accordingly. Mm -hmm. I'll say two quick things about that. One, make sure not to overeat because I remember doing that. I can't remember what the race was, but I remember I was new and I was like carb loading and I just had this massive portion of like spaghetti and salad and and I remember the next day I just felt so gross. And it, like, you know, like yesterday was Easter Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of people had big turkey dinners and you kind of feel it today. Like you just feel heavier and that's not how you want to feel when you're racing. And the other thing I did this, I made this mistake with the Canada Day run. I was trying to run a fast 5K and my husband and I went out for supper and we ended up just being out late the night before. So we didn't eat till like nine o'clock. Okay. And so the race was eight o'clock the next morning. So don't eat too late i think like don't eat too much and don't don't overeat and don't eat too late yeah you need to plan for it it's not like carb yeah. loading is not just i'm gonna eat a whole bottle bowl of pasta then I yeah eat. that's yeah. not carb loading right talking about the meme we talked about at the beginning of the episode, yeah they have these don't also don't restrict nutrition even though your volume is decreasing you need you need to I don't eat as much during my taper as i am i'm not doing 90 kilometer weeks 80 kilometer weeks so i'm not going to eat like I am. Exactly. No, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And obviously when I, when I talk about these memes and when I talk about this, like go against the river or whatever you call it, I do some research, right? So I researched a study about that. And I found one uh, that I think maybe the person that wrote this meme saw that, that, that study. But the goal is what? Like, okay, let's restrict well, calories during tapering. So they have two different groups. One didn't restrict their intake and the other one restrict their calorie intake during tapering. And the conclusion was that, yeah, the people that restrict calorie wasn't as prepared and they performed worst, mm -hmm. right? But you need to read the fine print. You need to read everything about it. That was the, if you read the conclusion, that, that was the conclusion. But the, the group that restricted calories lost like, Four pounds in one week. And that's too much. Yeah, it's way too much. That's yeah. way too much. So you need to adjust your 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 eating during tapering because if not, you're gonna gain a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And it's also gonna affect you're not gonna go ah like in a diet, but you you need to you need to eat less in proportion to the less volume you yeah, are. Just running. slightly less. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's about carb loading. If you wanna learn more about that, you go listen to the fueling episode um new clothes i don't think we can talk about much that because we mentioned it during the meme part of the episode and they can make you feel fast yeah like you just get it like really cool new shirt or maybe it's the race shirt and you really like it and you want to wear it but you've never worn it before like usually sometimes it can just there's something about feeling like you look good that makes you run faster uh, totally 100 yeah. I, I had a friend that is like if you want to go fast look fast yeah. You need to feel it first before you experience it in real life. So uh, we talk about new clothes, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of, if you ask around, a lot of people change clothes the night before, the day before I've done it. And it's just about, we talk about that upside, right? How, how much 
can it affect you and how much can it help? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something you need to decide, but I like to give people like the two sides of the coin. No. Uh, number seven, that it's crazy, but check the weather. Yeah. Because you don't, you can't do anything during the race about the weather, but you, how you dressed for it and how you prepare mentally for it can make a huge difference because we are expecting a sunny, perfect, in my case, like five degrees Celsius. It's a great mm -hmm. temperature to race. Uh, and suddenly it's way colder or way hotter. You need to dress appropriately and you need to prepare mentally that it's going to be tougher than you expected. Yeah, especially if there's wind and then you check the direction of the wind. Is it going to be a headwind, a tailwind? Like wind can, if it's a big gusting headwind and you're really trying to run as fast as you can, you might have to adjust your goal if it's going to be 40 kilometer hour headwind. It, it's probably going to slow you down. Yeah. Um, maybe it won't, but you have to kind of adjust. And same with like, if they're calling for rain, for me, if it's heavy rain, hate not having a visor or a hat because exactly. all the rain is in my eyes and I'm blinking and I can't see anything. And especially if there's a bit of wind. So then you want something to cover yourself. So make sure you've got, what's the saying? There's no bad weather, just bad gear. Yep. Make sure you have the right gear. Exactly. So yeah, be, be ready. And, and we talk about a lot of the mental aspect of running. And just being, if you are prepared for the bad or good weather, it's going to help mm -hmm. you perform better because it's not going to be, oh no, this is way harder than I expected or it's way colder. And if you already know it's going to be like that, your effort and your pace and your mentality and mindset can yeah. be adjusted. And I think the quicker you get over the weather, if it's going to be bad, the better. Because some people, <laughs> you can, me included, I, you just obsess about it and you're mad and, oh, why does this have to happen on the one day? And it, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Everybody has to race against it. Um, I, something about the headwind. So one of the guys on our teammate, Matt, he's, I can't remember how tall, six, two, six, three. He's pretty tall. Yeah. And we were going into a big, we did our mile repeats together. We're going into this big headwind. And I was like, I wonder how much of a difference it actually makes if we run behind each other. So I'm five, eight. I went ahead of him and he was like, ah, maybe a little bit of a difference. <laughs> he went in front of me and it was like somebody just turned the switch off of the wind. Really? I could not believe the difference so if you're a little person and it's really windy and there happens to be a bigger taller person in front of you stuck behind hooking behind them for a little yeah. give yourself a break or you have your partners you could take turns going in front for each other to break the wind yeah and in, yeah. in big races i remember the frankfurt marathon i just stayed behind like 10 people mm -hmm. and it was great i did i felt awesome i i don't know if it was windier yeah oh it made <laughs> i couldn't believe the difference it made yeah yeah. There's this guy, I know, I don't know his name. Maybe you, you don't follow hockey, right? No, not really. Okay. There's this guy that played here in Ottawa hockey that is going to run the Boston Marathon. I think uh, I saw that on But Instagram. he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. Yes. So if I see, and he's in my coral. Get behind lucky. that guy if, it, yeah. if there's a good <laughs> I already know guy. what they're going to do. That's what I'm obsessed with, obsessed with the weather and uh, just ran out of battery in my iPad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, check the weather just to be prepared. You can do anything about it, but just be prepared as much as you can. Yeah. Right? So, those are the seven tips about before the race. Yeah. What are the four things we can talk about during the race? Usually, people have a race strategy. Stick to the race strategy. So, if... That's really you, hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Like, if you, especially with a marathon or a half marathon, I feel like, because... You go out at a pace that doesn't feel that threatening, right? Like for me, for example, at the track, I've been doing anywhere from like a 405 to a 415 pace. So when I go do a 456, the first 10K is not going to feel hard. Yeah, no. And I, I'm going to start, oh, I should go quicker. I could, I could like put some time in the bank and pick it up a little bit. Just whatever, if you have a plan and it's been a well thought out plan and it's based on your weekly mileage and how your workouts are going and how you've done in the past. That's very important. There's a reason you came up with the plan. Just stick to it. And then if you realize at 35K, oh, I've gone out too slow. You've got 7K to make up for it a bit. Yeah. You probably won't feel like that at 35K. You'll probably be going, holy crap, thank God I did not pick it up when I wanted to and I stuck to the plan. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that a really well thought plan. It's mm -hmm. just, just a random plan that, yeah, I'm going to run it in three hours. 
just yeah. because I, I want to and I think I can I can do it. Just yeah, it's a, if it's a well thought plan, just stick to it. I never do. I'm gonna be honest. Never. I don't know if it's a 5K or a mile or a marathon. I never stick to the plan. And never, you just go ever. fast. Yes. Too fast. Yes. Too fast always. Yeah. But. Uh, and you always suffer the last 10K of the marathon. You always find it very difficult, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's an it's a a tip I need to yeah. start applying. Yeah. It's so hard. I when I did my first marathon in Italy, my goal was just to go under 3:45 if I could, if I felt good which was like a 520 pace. So like I start going, I'm like, this is way 520, too easy. 520, come on. 520, yeah. this is too easy. I could, I, you know, at the time I was running like almost 20 minute 5 k's. This is too easy. So I picked it up. And, and you suffer. Oh yeah. At the 30K mark, why did I do that? I was like so <laughs> mad at myself. Yeah. And it was like, I was walking at the aid stations. I, I suffered. I paid the, paid the, the price. price. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think it, for me, it's the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. I can do everything. I can do carb loading, I can fuel, I can have the perfect gear, I can everything. I always think I can keep up the pace, always. Yeah. It's like 25K in, I'm running at five, 10 seconds faster than I expected. I I can't, I can't hold this. I'm sure I can hold it. I'm training and I'm feeling great and I'm drafting behind people. I'm 100% in my mind at that point, sure that I'm going to be able to keep up that pace, and I never do. You're like, who came up with this stupid plan anyway? <laughs> yeah. I can go faster than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, do as we say, not as we do. Yeah. <laughs> it should, yeah, totally. It should feel like I've said to people, you know, one of my runners came in the other day and said they did a 16-kilometer run at their marathon pace, and they were all excited because it felt good. Should. 16 kilometers at a marathon pace should yeah. feel... If you're, if it didn't, I'd be very worried that your pace is a little bit too optimistic. Yeah. But you still have 36 more. 36 more. Um, The other one is, we've talked about this a lot, but stay positive. And we're going to give you three great ways to stay positive during race. Mm -hmm. I know you, I know you love the first one. Yeah. I'm all about mantras, 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 however you say it. Um, The more I listen to elite athletes, being interviewed on podcasts, the more I realize how much they're into sports psychology and like embracing the suck and coming up with positive mantras. So one I like is choose your heart. Okay. So if you're in the middle of a race and it's just hurting and you're on track and the pace that you're doing is just starting to suffer, starting to make you suffer, it it's going to be hard to keep going at that pace, but it's also going to be really hard to slow down because then once the race is done, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I slow down? I could have went quicker. So it's kind of like choose your heart. Continuing to go on is hard, but stopping is hard. Choose, I love that one. Yeah. Choose your heart. Um, and then the other one is it, it's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Okay. And I think what's the population of the world that's done marathons? I think it's less than, it's like, one percent or point two. It's really low, under one percent. Okay. So that's one. Like it's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't, if it was easy, everyone would do it. There's a reason when you have your marathon medal and everybody's commenting, "Oh my god, good job!" It's it's a big deal. It's a good job. Even a half, a ten, a five. Yeah. Running is hard. Everybody would do it if it was easy. So yeah. just remind yourself. Like it's not. Again, if it feels easy in your race, and you're almost at the end. And you wanted to run as fast as you could. You, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. 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 I'm not a big, not a, I've never d- used mantras, but I use mental songs. Like, I don't like to race uh, with music because somehow I, I, I don't feel like a proper runner. And it's a very, very. I feel, I feel almost guilty when I run, I do race with music and I almost feel like. If I was a real fast runner, I wouldn't need these headphones yeah. in, but I wear them anyway. Yeah, that 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 my that's my exact same yeah feeling about it. So I don't race with music. I barely run with music. Only long runs that I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I'm tired you need help. or it's minus thirty degrees or something like that. I I, I use some headphones, but I have a few a few songs in my head that when things starts to get tough, I sing them in my. Uh, it's, uh, which ones we are the champions queen. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, and there's one by Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk. 
Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and I love the part that says, don't believe it, just watch. Yes. Yeah. So I always think that because I'm very outspoken about my goals. Every knows, everyone knows what, that I want to run fast, that I want to achieve new PRs, that I want to qualify to Boston. And I, that. so I'm very outspoken on purpose about my goals. So I have some accountability mm-hmm. with people. People are nice, right? And sometimes, oh, it's good. You didn't achieve your goal. It's, you, you still did good, right? But I know they don't believe that. <laughs> I, at least I think I, they don't believe that. So uh, it's, don't believe me, just watch. I found, I, I and you, will you sing the whole song or just that part? I don't know that part. <laughs> so it's your, it's your personal mantra over yeah. and over again, just that part. And there's another one of... Uh, I might add that to my playlist for race day. It's, it's a very indie or small group. It's called The Struts. Oh, yeah. You know The Struts. Uh, but there, there's one song that starts... How is it? I never... I kept on running because I knew I could. Oh, okay. I'll have to look that one up. I'm ready to go. Well, I'm not going to sing it, but... Uh, it's called Young Stars by the Struts, and I love that song. Also, I like that one. Up. So those three songs, I, I I sing them in my head a lot during during races. It's kind of mantras, they're yeah. just songs. When I did my first run in Italy, my first marathon, I had one of those little iPods. What was that little I, iPod shuffle? Oh, that yeah. little tiny square. Yeah. And it must have turned on in my suitcase, and I didn't check it. So I get to the start line, and I've got like run out of it. Four hours of a playlist. I'm like, okay, I put my, it wouldn't turn on. Headphones in, I'm ready to go. I was, I was devastated. It messed me up for like the first 10K because I had all this good music lined up. So it's, I should probably run without music. So I prepare for the worst, as we said in the, in the beginning. Like if you've got a good playlist and for some reason your phone dies or something happens that you can run without it. And I'll just start singing it in my head like you do. Yeah. It's like, you need to prepare for that, right? Yeah. Maybe you are going to run with your headphones, but what happens if I run out of battery? Mm -hmm. Someone, they drop. And I don't want to stop and go back and get Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And the other one is visualization, right? Visualizing you at the end of the race with your medal, being proud about your time. It's, it can be a big booster. And I, I find I'll visualize, like if my husband's not there, I'll visualize calling him and telling him what I did. Because he's invested in this. He's watching Emily all these hours that yeah. I'm out running. So he wants me to get my goals as well. Or telling my mom and dad, like just, I visualize the message as opposed to like telling them what I didn't do. And then all the excuses that come with it. Yeah. I try to visualize that part, like telling people what I did and being excited about it. Yeah, I usually also visualize my family. at the. They, they usually go mm-hmm. with me to races. So I, I want to be happy at the end mm-hmm. and not feeling like shit. I, and there was one time when I was doing triathlons and duathlons that I had a terrible race and I was really bummed, but really, really, you have no idea how bummed I was. And that afternoon, my daughter was like, you know, four years old, maybe. And he made me like a little trophy and you're a champion dad. And I was like, shit, I, I, I can't. Be, I can show these emotions around my kids. Yeah, you don't want to feel like a poor sport. Yeah, yeah. So now I visualize that part that I don't want to feel like that, and I mm-hmm. want them to. They are proud of me. That that they're, they're young. Maybe in the future they will. They won't be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. now, right now, especially my six year old, it's like everything I do is awesome. So I want to. You're like super dad to exa- him right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I I guess in ten years I'm gonna be. <laughs> Get out of my side, Dad. <laughs> Go for a run. Get yeah, out of here. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I try to visualize just being with them and happy about mm-hmm. my performance. One thing I've been trying to visualize the last few long runs when I'm like 28K and I've got just a couple kilometers left, I try to make sure I'm not visualizing the end of the marathon feeling good. Oh, that's smart. Because I know my back and my hips, my hamstrings are going to maybe hurt, but be like tight. And so if I visualize like crossing the finish line and feeling fantastic and then 30K into the race, I'm like, oh no, it's hurting and I'm stiff. Like I visualize doing well despite all that. Okay. Like it's going to hurt and I'm going to be stiff and I'm going to be sore, but I'm going to keep, I visualize continuing anyway. That's so that smart. when it happens, I'm not like, oh, what's this? I, that, I never thought about that. That's really yeah. smart. Just visual. I've only done that this time because okay. it's, it's happened where I visualized it before and then I'm like. I'm hurting. I'm not supposed to be hurting. This isn't part of the blessing. Yeah. And it really it is because yeah. 
if I'm going to qualify for Boston, it's going to hurt. Cool. I love that one. Uh, the next one is fueling. We have a whole episode about fueling. Go listen to that. But it's mm-hmm. the better you fuel, uh, the better you're going to perform. Only for marathons and long half marathons. Re- really for 5Ks and 10Ks, carb loading and having uh, something before the race, it's all you need. You have mm-hmm. enough storage in your glucose in your muscles and liver to run a, even a one hour and 20, 10K. Mm-hmm. Enough there. So that feeling is especially important during half, slow half marathons because if you're running a half marathon in one hour and 30 minutes, you'll still have a bunch of all the cars. Yeah, need. but if you're two hours or more. Yeah. Not that that's slow, but slower than, yeah. 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 Uh, maybe you need, but yeah, go listen to that, to that episode. And the last one, because the episode is getting really long. Um, you want to say it? Yeah, just it's perfectly normal to feel a little niggle here and there during the race. Don't panic. Like, I don't know how many times I've been on a long run where I'm like, oh, the arch of my foot just did a thing or oh, my hip and then it's gone. Yeah. And I forget it even happened. So don't freak out if you feel a little niggle often. It'll just come and then it'll go. If it doesn't go, change your stride, pick up your cadence a little bit. Just try to play with posture and position a little bit and often it'll settle. Or embrace the pain and yeah. you have time to recover. That This is the time yeah. to not worry about that. If during mm-hmm. your long runs or your speed sessions, yeah, worry about the niggle because it can get worse and it can derail your training. But right now yeah. you train for that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, one is usually will go away because you're running way faster than you've been training for a long, a long, a lot of time. Even if you are doing a 5K, uh, you don't train a fat, you don't. If you train at 5K speed, it's for one minute, mm-hmm. two minute stops, right? Yeah. Uh, and you are running for between, I don't know, 13 minutes of 12 minutes of professional athlete and 50 minutes, someone coach a 5K. My point is none of them are running at their 5K speed more yeah. than one, two minutes of a time. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's the episode of this week. I hope you, we hope you enjoy it. Um, Anything else you want to add? Any little thing you do that it's not like a big part of fueling or strategy or visualizing mm-hmm. that you do? You told me something. I feel like the main thing, because I saw a post the other day talking about like, if you're doing a half marathon, if you're doing a full, this is what you should eat and drink the morning of. Those. I don't drink anything. Nothing. The morning of. Why? Um, I'll have to pee. Okay. I, I Even just a glass of water with breakfast will make me need to pee during the race. Okay. So I just hydrate really, really well the day before. Usually the race is like eight in the morning. So as long as I've hydrated by the time I go to bed, and then as soon as the race starts, I'm hydrating and I, I'm fine. And your breakfast, you take it without any water? Yeah, nothing. Don't, wow. I don't drink a thing. I eat, but I won't drink anything because okay. I just experiences. I've done enough races now that yeah. if I drink before, I'm going to have to pee. Or if I don't stop and pee, I'm going to need to the whole race and it messes me up mentally because that's a pain I don't want to deal with. Yeah. yeah, It's a pain you don't need to add to your yeah. arsenal of pains or feel. Uh, me, I always tape my nipple. I've never, I, yeah. I think I have one time an issue with it. Not during racing, during running. And it was like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to do it every race just to be just to be safe. Just to be safe. There's, yep. we did the Cabot Trail Relay Race a few years ago, which is in Cape Breton in Nova Scotia. And it's a big relay race anyway. One of the guys on the team, he finishes his race. He had a white t-shirt on and it looked like someone shot him. Just one oh. nipple on the left side was like, he soaked through his shirt. And so we all <laughs> back to the hotel and you just hear screams coming from the shower. Because he gets into the shower with this like cheap, oh, bloody, yeah, yeah. sore nipple. And he's just like crying out in discomfort. So ever since then, he taped both yeah, no. every time. It's it's those, yeah. those things, I think, marginal gains are being uh, careful about what may, might happen. And uh, yeah, I think that's one. Thing. And I, I always clip my toenails the week before. Week before? Yeah. Oh. I do the night before. The night but I'm before. really careful because okay. I'm always afraid I'm going to go too short and then it'll make it sore. Yeah, that I usually do that. Yeah. So I need a few days for my feet to get used to. To having, grow back. Exactly. So a week before I do that. And those little things that you, you, you want to prepare and not have that extra discomfort during during race. Yeah. 
yeah, you don't want, it's already going to hurt. Yeah. Don't make it hurt more than it already needs yeah. to. Hopefully, if you have any like strange tip or uh, mm -hmm. please share it with us. Any weird things you do. Exactly. Yeah. Because maybe someone can add it to their arsenal of little things they can do before, before raising. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we don't have a run of the week this week uh, because it, we knew it was going to be a, a long, a long episode. Hopefully, after Boston, we can have a bunch of oh yeah happy runners of the week that crushed their goals and have had great, amazing races. Yeah, we'll have plenty to choose from. Awesome. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.